Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. It's time for another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast, your favorite, I'm assuming, uh, radio Canes, uh, Canes people. The uh, I am Adam Gold. Alec Campbell is joining us on this edition of the Canes Corner podcast. I assume we're like their favorite radio people because we're the only two. I think about it that way. That's cool with me. Yeah, you know? I mean we're we're either the most most liked or the most loathed. Either way. I mean, whatever. As long as they're listening, could be you know, uh, could be on the same list. It's kind of like that the publicity thing. Every all publicity <laughs> is good publicity, right? I don't know if you subscribe to that or not, but I don't. But I'll, we I'll can like, go with it. If you hate me or, or like me, I don't really care. As long as you're listening, that's all I care about. There's a very uh, there's very little difference between I, love and hate. I would also like to think that I feel like I have been a guy who is open for discussion. I don't want people to like. Think that I just like don't I, listen to I them think or you're anything just like that, Mister Negative. Nah, it's it's not you're that. Mr. Negative. I feel like I'm very I'm very balanced, to be honest with you. I feel like I go out of my way to ah, be balanced. The public perception is that you're mis- just Mister Negative. All right. Well, I, I can the other that. day I li- look. I was listening to Stormwatch as I was driving in, and uh, you basically said that the entire team should be broken up and sold for parts, <laughs> and that was it. That's not what I said. <laughs> But I did get an angry email about that. Yes. But that's fine. Whatever. Uh, uh, that was right after I had written about it's time to look at next season, not yeah. not just next year, it was right before well, I mean, uh, New Year's. The and- team needed to go on a long winning streak. They hadn't proved to us at that point right. that they could. They had fallen into double-digit right. numbers in terms of points out of playoff spots in both the, the division mm-hmm. and in the, the wild card. And that's why you wanted to burn it to the ground. So, you know, it was like, okay, let's try to figure out what we got here? <laughs> All right, let's 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 do that. Um, and we're recording this prior to the Hurricanes playing in Tampa, uh, and it really is the start of a three games in really less than four days, because the Sunday game against Nashville is a one o'clock start. So we're talking about three games in a very concentrated part of the schedule against right now the best team on the planet. In Tampa, uh, Buffalo, who has fallen off some, but is solidly in playoff position, mm-hmm. and Nashville, who's one of the favorites in the West, no matter how much difficulty they've had lately, they're still one of the favorites to emerge out of the Western Conference. So they'll lead their division. Yeah, I mean they're they're I mean they have struggled a little bit lately, but uh, they're obviously an elite level team. Could be in the Stanley Cup. Nobody would be surprised if Nashville. Uh, was not only playing for but won the Stanley Cup. They are that good. All right, so with uh, with all of that said, the Hurricanes have won five straight. Mm-hmm. Again, this is prior to the taping against Tampa. First time in more than two years they've won five in a row. They haven't won six in a row 
since 2010. 2010. It's the last time they won six in a row. What what month? Uh, believe it was was it November? Wait, I I think I have it. So have it. Uh, February of 2010. So it was the year after they went to the conference finals. And it was Jeff Skinner did not play on that team, by the way. So it's been about nine years. So it has been uh, almost nine years since they have won at least six in a row. You know what's funny about that is that tonight's opponent, as we tape this, you mentioned Tampa Bay, has been on two six-plus game winning streaks in the last 18 games. <laughs> well, they won 13-0-1 in December. This is a little bit different than Carolina's December, which was what, 4-9-1? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was not good. It was not a good December for Carolina when they needed to have a better month. And uh, Tampa, no, look, Tampa is on a different planet than, well, frankly, not just the Hurricanes, a lot of the NHL. They're a, they're a significantly better team than a lot of teams in the playoffs. They are that, I mean, what, what they provide, what they bring, uh, and there are some banged up players, and again, I don't want to be specific about what, uh, the Hurricanes, because they haven't played Tampa uh, again uh, Thursday night, they will play. Uh, they're missing at least one. I don't think JT Miller's playing in the game. Uh, and they might be missing Ryan Callahan as well. Correct. Um, but they're so deep, you can get away with not having those players. Like Carolina, even though they played better, they desperately need Jordan Stahl to get back in the lineup. And if there's one thing that this recent stretch without Jordan, I think, should be proving to them is that they don't need Jordan Stahl to play 20 minutes a night. Maybe that's the the silver lining of what this team has dealt with the last, what is it, 10, 11, 12 games, something like that. I know he came back and played a couple, but ultimately right. uh, he had to leave the second game he played very early. Maybe they've kind of discovered the fact that Jordan doesn't have to be a you know 19 20 minute a night center that uh Sebastian Ajo can play 19 minutes and then you could have you know Lucas Walmark share a lot of those duties defensively with Jordan Stahl cuz Walmark he has become really their shutdown defensive center over the last you know almost the last month so maybe that's a the silver lining to the Jordan Stahl injury is that they realize they don't need him to play that much. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you have situations like that, there is a positive part of it where you have young guys that get more experience or you figure out line combinations that maybe you didn't know about beforehand. We've seen Jordan Martinook move up the lineup and play yeah. with a bunch of different people. So I think they got to something in that respect too that they didn't necessarily expect to get to when the season started as it regards to him. You know, I don't know that anybody was thinking, oh, you know, Jordan Martinook could play up on a top line with, <laughs> with Sebastian right. Ajo and Tavo Teravainen, but they were forced into that kind of situation, and and it's worked out for them. You know, similar with some of the call-ups as well. Greg McKegg has turned out to be a pretty serviceable guy on the NHL yes. level, and he is a different kind of player um, in terms of a prospect, I guess, because he does have a lot of NHL experience. Yeah. Um, but there are politics involved with professional sports, and that's yes. probably the biggest reason that he had to go back and play in Charlotte this year because you have to figure out what you got in a lot of the young guys. But, yeah, and I think also one of the underreported parts of this season for the Hurricanes is the injury factor. I mean, they've really been dealing with injuries for the better part of the last couple of months, mm -hmm. and it seems like as soon as they get somebody back, 
somebody else goes down. I mean, whether it's Jordan Stahl, whether it's Michael Furlan, whether it's Hayden Fleury, whether it's Brett Pesci. Right, um, who's still dealing with it. Still dealing yeah. with stuff. Um, you know, goaltenders. McElhaney had a had a situation with his knee that he's still kind of dealing with too. That they're 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 trying to monitor. Um, so this team has had to overcome a little bit of adversity in the way of of injuries, um, which we haven't really done a lot of talking about. But no. yeah, I think that's true. And I think you know, I think also if you look at this recent stretch with Jordan Stall out, you notice some of the basic numbers have kind of flipped on the Hurricanes. I mean, we joke all the time about how this team is paper champions a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you look at the box score after the game and you see them, you know, winning the shot battle, winning the <laughs> face-off circle, winning the hits, you know, all that stuff, and then losing the game. And then recently it's kind of been the opposite Yeah, if you look at it. I mean, they've been losing the face-off battle for the better part of Jordan Stahl's absence, um, which is, which is you know, different people uh, attribute face-offs to, to success to varying degrees. Um, I think it matters more when you win them than Correct. anything else. Yeah. But uh, Sebastian Ajo, you know, has shown some ability to do that. Lucas Walmark wins a lot of faceoffs, but still, you know, it's it's interesting to see how uh, it has affected the team uh, while he's been out. And you know, we'll hopefully, maybe by giving him less minutes, um, you can help preserve Jordan Stahl when he comes back a little bit. Too. Yeah, I. I, I... I think what you just said about when you win faceoffs is more important than how many faceoffs you win, and I think that's a hundred percent true. Um, Aho won a couple of really key defensive zone faceoffs mm-hmm. in the win over. Um, who did they just play? I'm Ottawa. Ottawa. Yeah, the, the, we had two in a row where he had they had key D zone faceoffs no, the over the Islanders with five seconds left in the game. No, that was he won. A, he, he lost the last one, but he had he won right. the two previous to that. Um, and there was a lot of time left in the game, and it, it enabled Carolina to kind of melt the clock a little bit. He lost the one with about six seconds left, and yes, a couple of shots uh, mm-hmm. were directed at Curtis McElhinney. I think only one got through, but still, he had to make a big save late because Carolina had to get two points out of that game. And so, but you know, Aho has been kind of a pleasant surprise because I just know from talking to Rod Brindamore and a lot of people around the team, they weren't sure if he was going to be able to be an NHL center. He played center for Finland. He was a star for them in the middle of the ice. He played with Patrick Lyonnais in the World Juniors uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Ajo was a center when he he played against men as an 18-year-old in Finland. But he had not really had to play it here. And in the brief times we saw him here, he looked lost. At the end of last season, remember Bill Peters took like the last 10 games. He's, we're going to play Ajo at center. The last, uh, And that, that experiment lasted five games. And they were like, well, he's just getting destroyed. So they moved him back to the wing. And Rod didn't look at Ajo as a center. Um, but it was, I think it was that first stretch of games when the first time that Stahl was out. I think the game was in Anaheim, and Ajo was tremendous in the middle. Uh, it was the first time in a long time he had dominated the game. And I think coming out of that game, I think it opened some eyes that what he just needed was time. And he hasn't always been great, uh, but more often than not, he's been really good in terms of uh, face-offs and whatnot. I mean, he's over 50%, and Walmart's over 50%. Um, and that'll just get better with time. And it'll help when Stahl comes back and he can take, you know, 40% of the faceoffs and he doesn't have to take 
70 percent of the face. This team still needs to figure out a way to score goals. So Ajo still needs to, you know, make sure that that part of his game doesn't wane. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's another silver lining of Stahl being out is those guys have been forced to to do that more, mm-hmm. right, in a lot of different situations. Um, the the He was also kind of forced there, too. You know, Rod's hand was kind of forced by the Victor Rask injury early in the season. This team was so thin down the middle mm-hmm. that Ajo kind of had to, even if he didn't want to. And, and there were points at this season, and I, I'm pretty sure they even did this once or twice, where Ajo went back and played the wing a little bit here and there, played right? With, with Jordan, they they reunited the TSA right. line, right. the Stahl, Teravon, and an Ajo line. Right. Um, so but, there were times when there were some questions like, eh, do we want to keep going in this direction and, and try to figure out if Sebastian Ajo he won that battle. is better suited just as a winger? And if that's the case, he's going to score a ton of goals from over there. Maybe we just ought to let him leave him there, you know? And the, the, the problem with that was that, and maybe it was because they, they weren't together long enough, uh, they were not a dangerous line when they were together. Stahl, Teravine, and Anaho were not a dangerous line. So, as it turns out, Stahl gets hurt. They have no choice but to move Aho back to the middle. And in a way, I think that's kind of been a turning point for Sebastian this year. By the way, he's an all-star, which is uh, which is awfully good. But it'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, Stahl comes back. Here's the the other thing, and this this speaks to how important the position of center is. That after Ajo right now, and Walmart's been fine. He just hadn't scored a lot of goals. Uh, but Walmart has really played well. And frankly, uh, he, the combination of Walmart, Martinuk, and Svechnikov for the better part of a month was Carolina's best line. You know, they just, their job is just, their job description just ends up being different. You know, hey guys, you have to take the Backstrom, Ovechkin, mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson lie. It's your job tonight. You got to shut them down. Right, so Bergeron. That, and, right. And hey, the on Whaler night, the unsung part of that night was that that line was they had a couple of chances, but they were off the off the score sheet. Those guys are always going to get a chance or two here. There, right? You're not going to shut them out. Completely. They're Hall of Famers. Right. I mean, two of those guys are Hall of Famers. The other guy's David Pasternak, right. uh, who probably, probably going to be a Hall of Famer too. Right. So. But Walmart's line was amazing. Yeah, he's. That I, night. I think he's um, leads the league in maybe expected goals. Um, and <laughs> yes. just so he's get he's getting his or chances. The difference between ex- uh, goals and expected goals. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know he just hasn't he just hasn't had whether it's the puck luck or whatever it is, but he just hasn't been able to been able to score on a consistent level. But if he's doing everything else, so th- I mean that that's cool. I mean ultimately down the middle, and who knows what's going to happen in the next three months. But ultimately, down the middle, barring a trade, uh, you'd have to think that it's going to be Ajo. Martin Natchez is going to be a center. Mm-hmm. Stahl and Walmark. I mean, that's it's not bad. Because either Stahl is your fourth center, which I think down the road, I think they would prefer. Or Walmark is your fourth center. And I think they're both suited to be that if that's the way it worked out. I think Stahl as your fourth center is going to dominate a lot of situations. And Walmart, I think, has a higher level of skill than a lot of people. Well, certainly the, the numbers kind of belie it at this point. 13 points, 3 goals, 10 assists. Uh, he hasn't. I don't think he's missed a game this year, so 41 games. But I think there's a, you know, 15 goal, 30 assist season in there for Walmart. I mean, if that's your fourth center pretty good yeah i mean and ultimately that's what they have to get to 
But then again, you just don't know what trades are going to be there. There might be somebody else in the mix. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to last year when we were getting nothing out of the fourth line. Like, literally nothing. Yeah, we're almost getting nothing out of it now. But we're getting more than what we were getting out of it (laughs) last year. (laughs) Yes. I mean, mean, Greg Greg McKegg's got four four points in his last three games. Third line center. That's true. He was a third line center. So, Victor Rask, who actually, the last couple of games, uh, has had two very nice assists. Both to Jacob Slavin. I mean, maybe that's the combination. It's maybe. like Rask can only pass the puck to Slavin. Fine with it. If Jacob Slavin <laughs> keeps putting him in the net like he has the last couple nights. It, you asked me something. Um, by the way, Alec Campbell uh, is the, the featured guest here on the Canes Corner Podcast. <laughs> what are you laughing? I don't know. Uh, you, a- you asked me during the, uh, during the intermission um, a couple of games ago about scoring from the defense. Mm-hmm. It's a completely they're a completely different animal when Falk, Hamilton, Slavin, if somebody else wants to jump up, completely different animal when something like that happens. I actually did this in the last in the uh, recap after the Islander game. I went back. Other than Trevor Van Riemsdyk, all of their defensemen have figured in scoring in the last in the in the winning streak, in the now five game winning streak. I think they've got six goals and 15 assists or maybe six goals and 10 assists. I think it is six goals and 10 assists in the five game winning streak from the blue line. I mean, when you don't have great scoring depth, goals have to come from somewhere for this team. And we thought they'd come from the, from the blue line. Yeah. Well, two nights ago, they had three defensemen scoring a right. game, right? They had Falk, That's the game in Ottawa. and Hamilton all score. Hamilton's got like five points over his last mm-hmm. four games. I believe it's three goals, yep. two assists. Um, I don't, I mean, there was a, there was a point when Trevor Van Riemsdyk was the most recent <laughs> scoring defenseman on that team. He's it's um, gone dry for him. There there were there was a moment when I was counting the games every night when Dougie Hamilton was in a twenty or twenty one game goal scoring slump, right. and other guys that were you know getting up there in nine, ten, whatever games. Um, so yeah, it's good to see those guys getting the puck to go in a little bit, um, especially Dougie because that was what he was really brought here to do. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that that's what Dougie likes to do, too. Yes. Dougie is very quick to jump into the offensive play. Good. Not not so enthusiastic about jumping into the defensive side of the game. <laughs> but you can tell. Like, you can see him, like, getting up into the play as much as possible. It's one of the reasons, you know, he leads the he, – he's got the, the shot streak mm-hmm. going on. And I, I read a piece about uh, Dougie Hamilton on The Athletic about – him continuing that streak and continuing to get a lot of shots. And, you know, a lot of people were attributing that to the fact that he played with Goudreau last year mm-hmm. in Calgary. And basically the premise of the piece was that really has nothing to do with it. And everything's kind of the same for Dougie in terms of the types of shots he's getting. And, you know, it, it seems like – because I think that at times you could you could make fun of Dougie. It's easy to do so, uh, even though he's been productive recently, and just say, ah, he's just whipping shots in there just to keep that streak going and whatever – but that's really not the case. Um, yeah, I don't think just, a, sh- a streak like that is not that big a deal. It just, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, but I think that sometimes it can, can get construed as a guy looking for his and not really, you know, uh, playing for, for, for the team. The, uh, you know, uh, the but game, that's not the case. The game in Ottawa, you know, the goal that he scored was his only shot. Yeah. His only shot on goal was the goal he scored. Um, so, look, I – there are certain streaks that I don't believe matter. That's it. Like you want your best players, your best offensive players, you want them to get shots. 
but a a shot on goal streak has to be pretty low on the list. Oh of, yeah, of uh, of streaks that I'm looking to no, maintain. No, no doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. But you know, you could see somebody doing it just to do it to keep a streak alive, which would be not good at all. But no. I don't think that's the case with Dougie. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see him finally putting them in. What has he got? Six goals now. Uh, five, six, something. Yeah, like I think that. it's I think it's six at this point. So yeah, and it's, it was good that Justin Falk has become more productive offensively. And I, look, J- Justin, other than his game, his first two periods anyway uh, on Long Island, which were kind of uh, uh, near catastrophic. Um, he was he was not good, but nobody was good. I think in the first two periods against the Islanders, um, Justin Falk has had, in my opinion, anyway. The best defensive season he has had in his career, and it, it's it's funny how things change. We all assumed that Justin Falk was going to get traded in the offseason. I mean, Justin didn't want to talk about it. Um, you know, this is the only place he's ever played. Much like Jeff Skinner, we always assumed that not only would Skinner be traded, but Falk would be traded. So Falk starts the year; he's struggling to score, but. Rod Brindamore doesn't want to take him off the top power play unit, doesn't want to limit his ice time because he has been tremendous in the defensive zone. He's been more physical. He's been smarter, been better with the puck. He and Calvin DeHaan have a thing going. Much like uh, Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci bring out the best in each other, I think DeHaan and Falk have formed a real bond defensively. And frankly, I don't think they're going to trade Justin Falk. They're, they're going to move, at some point, they're going to move a right-shot defenseman because they're going to sign Adam Fox after his season at Harvard is over. And I will be surprised if he does not play in the NHL this year. And this has nothing, nothing to do with, is he a super prospect? He kind of is, but that, the whole point of signing him is that he wants to play in the NHL. Will he go to the minors first for, you know, maybe... A few games, maybe, but he's going to be in the NHL. I'll bet you he plays in the AHL playoffs this year. He'll go down and play in the playoffs and get some playoff experience there because I still don't think this that the Hurricanes, barring a really long run, longer than they are currently enjoying, I don't think this team is going to be a playoff team now. But uh, they have to move a right-shot defenseman to create room for Adam Fox. I don't think it's going to be Falk now. I think they're even thinking about, you know, maybe extending him beyond next year. So, to me, it's either Pesci or Hamilton. I mean, I'd hate to lose really either guy, mm-hmm. but those two guys probably have the most value that they could bring back the most on the market. So. Of those two guys, who would you rather see go? That's a bad way to say it. <laughs> I, whoever brings them the most in return. Um a guy. Ideally, you keep both, but you can't when you have Adam Fox. Looking at from what this team needs, I would like to see uh, them keep Pesci because with Fox, and if you have Falk, although Falk has become more of a defensive guy, um, maybe you don't necessarily, maybe Falk and Pesci become a little redundant because kind of... If Falk is going to continue along this path, I've joked about calling him Glenn Wesley because that's Glenn Wesley was an offensive defenseman and then all of a sudden couldn't score, and then he was so solid defensively you forgot that he used to be an offensive defenseman. Um, maybe that's Falk. 
Maybe Falk's a guy who's just going to score six goals a year, at not 16, and he's just going to be solid in his own end and be physical and be a good team, you know, be a good locker room guy. Because uh, I think Falk is all of those things. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, in I, that case, then you move Pesci. Yeah. But I think ha- one of those two will give you a good return, Pesci or Hamilton. Yeah, I I would agree with you uh, about Falk. The the turnover inside his own zone the other night, notwithstanding, <laughs> where he just banked it off the half wall right <laughs> to Brock Nelson as he got on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brock Nelson was a killer in that game anyway, so maybe it didn't matter. But yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, about Falk's defensive game so far this year, it's clearly been better, and I, I guess I would I would agree too about the trade. You know, it feels like at this point Falk's maybe a little more of a complete player than Dougie Hamilton. I mean, yes, the the the, the flair maybe and the fireworks that can come with a player mm-hmm. like Dougie Hamilton are cool, and I would say probably the same thing about Brett Pesci. But we just got done talking about how important it is to get offensive production from your defenseman. So, you know, if you're going to say that Justin Falk's going to end up becoming a Glenn Wesley and a six-goal-a-year type guy, then where does your offense come from defenseman? Well, that's what Adam. That's, that's the point about Adam Fox, is that Fox is a puck-moving power— I mean, probably a quarterback of your power play defenseman. I mean, essentially— I'm not saying he's a younger version of Dougie Hamilton, mm-hmm. but he is an offensive, neutral zone dominant player. That's the advantage of Fox. A superior skater, uh, but he's not really big. He's not never going to be a physical, you know, imposing player on the blue line. Uh, but you, you you don't need all of those guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I who the answer to the question is whoever brings them the most in return. Who can bring them a forward that has some dynamic ability? Yeah, no doubt. I, but I would say I lean towards being totally fine if they want to move Dougie Hamilton at this point. Yeah. And I admit to being wooed by Hamilton early on, especially in the preseason. It's seducing. The way that he played. And granted, those games are against teams mm-hmm. that aren't icing full rosters or they're trying stuff out. True. Even the Canes were trying stuff out during that mm-hmm. portion. You know, we saw a lot of Dougie Hamilton and Justin Falk on the power play, and we haven't seen a ton of that no. in the regular season so far. But I would say that Pesci and Falk are both more complete players to me Yeah, in terms of being solid both offensively and defensively. Um, and so in that vein, then – Losing a Dougie Hamilton, especially because he is a right shot, and you got to make room for him, mm-hmm. or for for Fox, you know. I, the only thing I, the, the only thing I wonder about with Pesci is um, because he's had a couple of injuries here of yeah, late, his health problems. Yeah, he's he looks to be just a half a stride slower this year than he was last year. Yeah, he's right now. I think he's getting by with his smarts. I really do. I think Pesci is a really smart defenseman and I think he's kind of getting by that way at some point everybody else catches on and they really start applying a ton of pressure but I do think that part of it with Pesci he's he's currently still dealing with uh with two injuries he's got upper and lower body issues yeah. uh but I think the lower body issue is uh is occasionally giving him more problems he almost sat out the game in uh, on Long Island, right? They brought up uh, Dan Renuff. Dan Renuff, man. Well, and it, I guess it's fair to note too that Dougie apparently has been dealing with some kind of injury as well. Oh, has he? Well, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah. that that was revealed just a couple of days ago, where maybe he had some kind of hand injury or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, 
that could have, you know, maybe that was what it was affecting him for a lot of the, the first half of the season in terms of scoring. Who knows? But you think they're going to trade Michael Furland? I think it's I think it's totally possible. I mean, you have a guy who's an unrestricted free agent after the season, mm-hmm. so you find yourself in the age old conundrum of free agency, where it's like, okay, do we trust ourselves enough that we we're gonna pay him the market price? and believe that he's going to choose us over other teams that are going to offer a market price too? Right. Or is it in our best interest to get something in return if we don't think he's going to be back? So I don't honestly know where he stands on playing here, if, mm-hmm. he, if he loves it, if he likes it, if he cares, whatever. He seems to, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess it's completely possible for that to happen, and I don't know that I would necessarily blame them if they went in that direction either. I think it depends on, A, where they are, first of all, in the standings. True. Um, it also depends on how negotiations are going. Uh, see, I think they – ideally, I think they would like to sign him to a contract extension now. Uh, Furland, who uh, at the time of recording still stuck on 11 goals, um, I think 11 goals, mm-hmm. And uh, has had a very had a very good start playing with Ajo and Teravine, and that kind of went away, and then he got hurt, uh, and it went away. So a lot of things factor in there. Um, but is Furland, you know, a twenty-five over five guy? Is because I think kind of that's where he wants to be. Does the team want to pay him? Uh, you know, is it? I mean, maybe fifteen over three as opposed to twenty-five over five. I don't know. I think Furlan will get 25 over 5 on the open market because that's the way free agency works. There's always a bump for players who can score and be physical. So uh, I don't think that this team really wants to invest that. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't, but I'm just saying I don't think they do. I think they're more interested in investing in Tavo Teravainen, and even that is going to be kind of squirrely. What is Teravainen going to demand? I think it will depend on what the point total is. At the end of the, the end of the season, but Teravainen is still a, a restricted free agent after the year. Furland is unrestricted, right? And I think Jordan Martinook is the more important sign anyway for this team, for the for what he brings to this team. He won't be the most expensive no. by by a mile, but I think Jordan Martinook is going to get signed soon. Well, I think. If you look at the type of player that he and Furland are, I think there's a lot of similarities to their game, but I think that Furland probably has a more consistent high level, right? And I love Michael Furland. Mm-hmm. I think he's been an awesome player here. He fits probably anywhere in the mm-hmm. league the way that he plays. Yeah. Um. So I would love to see him stick around and be here. But, it, like, I, I don't – you know, you would – I think you you mentioned that it depends on where you are in the standings. Well, you probably make the call on Furland if you think that you're going to win a Stanley Cup and he's a piece that, you know, you need to get there this year. But I don't think that's the case for this team. So I don't think that where they end up in the standings is going to matter all that much to to whether he sticks around or not. No, but I don't think they'll move him at the end of February if they're, like, right at the playoff line. Why? Because they want to make the playoffs. So moving him will not get you better in in the short term. So cause right, the, but so if, I don't think they'll make a trade like that if they're legitimately in striking distance of a playoff spot. Yeah. Now I, I, if they're where they are now, if they're seven points out of a playoff spot, 
then I think they'll move Furland. I think they'll move a defenseman. I think they'll move a goaltender. I think they'll move plenty. I just think that, okay, I get it. This team is on the cusp of a decade mm-hmm. outside of the playoffs, but that's that's still kind of a low bar, you know, for success. Like, that really shouldn't be, like, what you're, you know, we're keeping this player around and risking the free agency part of it, or, or maybe they don't care if he goes somewhere else if they don't want to pay him. Well, again, I, I, I just I think that it means enough to make the playoffs. Energy yeah. in your fan base, all of that stuff. It I, means I, towards season ticket sales next year, all of that. That I'm not saying that they will jeopardize their future. I'm just saying they won't deal part of the reason that they're in this position. And if they're in that position, Michael Furland is going to be part of the reason why. I don't think they'll do that. They will look at, all right, uh, even if it's just to stand pat where they are, um, I think that's probably what they'll do um, when you get right down to it. They're, they're going to add, and I know we're going to wrap this up here in a second, they're going to add Jordan Stahl back in the lineup, and they're going to add Martin Natchez back to the lineup. Those are pretty good trades without giving up anything. Uh, when they, uh, you know, in the next month or so. Um, so, I look, I just, I, if they're in striking distance, I don't think they're going to move pieces that are helping them win now. Before we, uh, before we wrap this up, Al Campbell, uh, Tampa, Buffalo, Nashville, Rangers, Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, all of those games prior to the All-Star game. So in the next eight how many wins do they need? In the next eight, they need to get, I mean, you got to win at least half of them, I would think. I don't think that's enough. So, what, five? I think the number's six. Five out of eight? Six out of eight? I think the number's six, which puts a lot of pressure on them if it doesn't go well in Tampa. That's a tall ass, man. <laughs> that's a tall ass. That's why I'm saying, like, I ultimately think that they're not. this is not a playoff team. They won't be at the playoff line. I agree. And they'll be looking to, all right, well, everything will be about the future. Right. As it should be. Except and th- you and that, me. that was my only point the other yeah. day that we were referencing. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to make the playoffs, then you got to figure out what you got around here. Correct. You know? And I look, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they trade Furland and then sign him to a free agent deal. Yeah. Hap- it happens in hockey. Yeah, that could that could happen too. Yeah. And I'd be totally fine with that. I guess I just I just think that it's I guess maybe that's just the reality of the situation is that this is where we are, that all we care about is making the playoffs. No, no, no. It's not about that. I mean, you don't jeopardize it if you have a chance. But no, they're they're yeah, thinking that, it's just that, that's they're thinking long term. That's not a to me, doing that just to make the playoffs isn't worth it to me, but whatever. I get it around <laughs> here. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much for hanging. No problem, man. All right. I'll see you uh, I'll see you over at the, the arena uh, this weekend. Yes, you will. All right. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. Is getting your CPAP supplies a real pain? It doesn't have to be that way. 
Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers, and we are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Our streamlined process makes getting your CPAP as easy as one, two, three, and we ship anywhere in the state. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. 